Hello, and welcome to Words on Film, the spoken word podcast dedicated to moving pictures. I'm Dan Burke, your host and movie critic, and I'm here to tell you exactly what I think of some of the latest movies out right now. This show is a special show because I'm not going to be reviewing movies for this show. I'm going to be talking about movies, no doubt, but instead of reviewing... I am actually going to be going over the Oscar and Razzie nominations. Now, the Razzie nominations were announced um, during the week of March. uh, Oh, shoot, I'm blanking. 6th through 13th. And the Oscar nominations were announced on Monday, March 15th. So I'm going to go over the Oscar nominations first. Um, and save the worst for last. So I hope you will enjoy going through these nominations with me. And I might as well start with the top with the nominations for Best Picture. The nominees for Best Picture are, in alphabetical order, The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and... The Trial of the Chicago 7. There were only, I should say only, but there were eight total nominations this year. And the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences expanded the Best Picture nominees from five, which was what it was for about 40 years, in 2010 to a maximum 10 nominees. But every year... Uh, since they've had that rule where there have been a maximum 10 nominees, first of all, they haven't met the maximum ever. It's usually been seven or eight nominees. And secondly, there's always been a moment where there is one movie that I was really, really vying to be nominated for Best Picture, and it wasn't. And I always think to myself, couldn't the Academy have squeezed that one in as an eighth or ninth nomination? So... My special movie pick for what could have been that ninth nomination was The Five Bloods, which was the latest Spike Lee joint, which was about black uh, Vietnam veterans who returned to Vietnam to find a treasure. And it really surprised me that The Five Bloods was snubbed in several categories. It was nominated for one Academy Award for Best Original Score, which was uh, Terrence Blanchard. But considering that Soul, the uh, Disney Pixar movie, was also nominated in that category, and it has won the Golden Globe for Best Original Score, it's unlikely that The Five Bloods is going to win that. But it is a shame not to see that movie be nominated for Best Picture because that was one of the best films I saw last year. And speaking of best and worst films I've seen last year, I mentioned on my January 9th podcast that usually at the very beginning of the year, I do a show where I talk about the best and worst films of the year 2020. And I didn't do that this year. In other words, I didn't do a 2020 retrospective for two reasons. One, because 2020 sucked altogether. It was one of the worst and most cataclysmic years ever for just about everyone. 
So it didn't really necessitate doing a worst of list for that reason. But number two, primarily, and this is one of the big reasons I didn't do a best of list, I only saw a vast majority of my movies through one streaming platform, and that was Netflix. At the time, I didn't have a Hulu account or a Disney Plus account or an HBO Max account, which I do have now. I don't have... uh, Amazon Prime Video, but I'm seriously considering getting that. But what I'm getting at here is that I didn't have a full representation of the movies that had been released. And if movie theaters had been opened and it had been safe to go to theaters, I would have seen probably all or most of the Best Picture nominees. As it stands right now, I've only seen four out of the eight. I've seen... Judas and the Black Messiah, I've seen Mank, I've seen Nomadland, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. I have not seen The Father, Minari, Promising Young Woman, or Sound of Metal. But if you want to see these films for yourself, Judas and the Black Messiah is, you can stream for free on HBO Max. Mank and The Trial of Chicago 7 are on Netflix, and Minari Promising Young Women, Woman, excuse me, and Sound of Metal are all available for streaming on Amazon right now. The movie The Father is actually not available for streaming anywhere in the United States, but it is available to be seen in certain theaters. It will be available on premium video on demand starting March 26th. So I'm going to make an effort I'm going to truly make an effort to try to see the other four movies, even if it means hacking into somebody else's Amazon Prime account. And by hacking into that, what I mean is asking them, may I please have your Amazon uh, username and password so I can watch these films? (laughs) Yeah, I don't exactly have the technical skills to hack. At least not yet, but, you know, I'm learning. So... On to the Best Director nominations. Uh, the, the nominees for Best Director this year are Thomas Vinterberg for Another Round, David Fincher for Mank, Lee Isaac Chung for Minari, Chloe Zhao for Nomadland, and Emerald Fennel for Promising Young Woman. Now, this actually is pretty interesting because at the Golden Globes this year, there were three nominees uh, for Best Director who are women. And at the Academy Awards, there's only one nominee for Best Director who's a woman. And that is Chloe Zhao, who I believe is the first Asian-American woman to be nominated for Best Director. I'm, I'm almost positive that she is. And Nomadland is certainly one of the best movies I saw that was made in 2020. So... That is uh, certainly something to uh, revere. As for the other nominations, I would probably say that this year, I don't believe David Fincher should have been nominated for Mank. I did see Mank. I wasn't particularly impressed by it. I could tell what David Fincher was trying to do with it, but I don't think it was one of his best films. I do think that Mank was Oscar bait, and it's certainly 
Oscar took the bait on this one. I am very surprised actually to see Thomas Vinterberg be nominated for Another Round. And the reason I'm so surprised is because I have never heard of the movie Another Round until now. It is also surprising because Another Round was not nominated for Best Picture. And um, Another Round is actually a Danish movie. Its Danish title was Druk, D-R-U-K. I think that's how the Danish pronounce it. I don't know for sure. But Druk means binge drinking. And it's directed by uh, Thomas Vinterberg, as I said. It stars Mad Mikkelsen who is one of those actors whose name is not a household name and may not ever be. But when you see him, you'll probably know who he is or at least seen him at some other, uh, seen him in some other movie. And there are other Danish actors in this film. And it is a movie about alcoholism, I believe. And it takes place at a gymnasium in Copenhagen. And a gymnasium is not the same as a gymnasium here in the United States, but it's, yeah, it's about one of those, um, parties they have. And I guess it's about teachers who are struggling with unmotivated students. Why this movie was nominated for best director over best picture. I don't know, but if you want to see another round for yourself, it is streaming on Hulu. So, That is one of those movies that I will check out. Will I review it for you next week? I can't guarantee that, but I will certainly make an effort to do so. And it won't be like the other new films that I usually review for the show where I basically binge watch these new movies on Friday and try to relay them for you here on Saturday. But another round I will certainly look out for, and I will let you know what I think definitely before the Oscar telecast on April 25th. 2021. Welcome back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke, and I'm going down the list of Oscar nominees for this previous year, 2020. And I am at the category for Best Actor, and the nominees for Best Actor in a Leading Role are Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Anthony Hopkins for The Father, Gary Oldman for Mank, and Stephen Yoon for Minari. It, this looks like a very tight race. I can't speak for Reese Amond or Stephen Yoon because I haven't seen The Sound of Metal or Minari respectively, but I will. By I would say by the Oscar telecast on April 25th, 2021, I will have seen all Best Picture nominees. You have my word on that. I and if I, can, I where there's a will, there's a way. If I can't see them, I will try to find 
some way to see them, which doesn't really make sense, but I think you know what I mean. I do know that Steven Yoon is a very good actor. I've seen him in the first couple of seasons of The Walking Dead, and he was definitely one of the best actors on that show, and it was a shame when he left the show. I'm not going to say how he left or what became of his character, but if you know it's The Walking Dead, you could probably tell sort of how he left the show, but I'm not going to tell you exactly how. But it looks like Anthony Hopkins has a really good chance of winning Best Actor for The Father. The reason I say that is because not only is Anthony Hopkins a great actor in his own right and probably considered one of the best classically trained actors who who is living today, but he plays a man in the movie The Father who is dealing with his progressing memory loss. And that is a very hot topic in this day and age, uh, particularly where the number of elderly people is growing. And also, there's still no cure for dementia or Alzheimer's. It's a sad topic, and for me, it hits pretty close to home. But as I said previously, Chadwick Boseman, who's now deceased, God rest his soul, probably has one of the best chances of winning Best Actor, even though he is currently deceased. A lot of people have said that that his performance in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is among his best. And while I don't know if it's exactly his best, um, it certainly is one of his best. And also, it was a great note to go out on before his passing. I do think, however, in addition to Best Actor, he should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actor for another film. But I am profoundly, profoundly disappointed that Delroy Lindo was not nominated for Best Actor for the movie uh, Five Bloods. I did mention the Best Director category before the break, and I should have mentioned that Spike Lee could have been nominated for that film, perhaps. But Delroy Lindo most definitely should have been nominated for Best Actor because he was excellent in that film, and he really doesn't get the recognition as an actor that he deserves. Granted, he's made a great career out of being an actor, but he should be bigger. And I have not seen Delroy Lindo be bad in any movie, including some of the bad movies in which he's acted. But moving on to Best Actress, the nominees for Best Actress in a Leading Role are Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Andra Day for The United States vs. Billie Holiday, Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDormand for Nomadland, and Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that there are two um, movies within these nominees that are that have the title or have the word woman in the title. I saw Vanessa Kirby in the movie Pieces of a Woman. She was excellent in that film about a woman who um, miscarried. And yeah, that, that was a very uh, a gripping film. And if you haven't seen it yet, it is streaming currently on Netflix. It's really hard to say who's going to win here because Frances McDormand for Nomadland seems to be the favorite. But at the same time, Viola Davis and Andrew Day were so good in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and the United States versus Billie Holiday. 
Andra Day, thank God she was nominated for Best Actress in this movie because as good as Diana Ross was in Lady Sings the Blues, and as much as Diana Ross deserved to be nominated for Lady Sings the Blues because she did a much better performance in that film than a lot of people, including jazz snobs at the time, thought, Andra Day was born to play Billie Holiday, and she played her in this movie so well. So well, in fact, that I feel like going back to Hulu and seeing the United States versus Billie Holiday again. And most films, I think probably about 98% of films, I only see once because I really don't have to see them uh, again. But yeah, this is one of those instances where for the best actor category, I've only seen two out of the five nominees in their performances In this category, I've seen four out of five. The only one I haven't seen is Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. So I really can't say whether or not that one is, or whether she deserves to be nominated. But but my guess is since fewer people have seen Promising Young Woman, Woman, and I'm positive fewer people have seen it, Carrie Mulligan is unlikely to be, to, to win that award, but... Of course, it is an honor to be nominated, and no one can ever take that away from you. For Best Supporting Actress, let's start with Actress. The nominees are Maria Bakalova for Borat's Subsequent Movie Film, Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy, Olivia Colman for The Father, Amanda Seyfried for Mank, and Ya Young Yoon for Minari. This is kind of interesting, too, because of all the movies on this list, I've seen two out of the five nominees. I've seen Glenn Close in Hillbilly Elegy and Amanda Seyfried in Mank. I don't know if Amanda Seyfried is going to win for Mank because overall, I think Mank is one of those films that looks great and is certainly about a very hot topic, particularly in Hollywood. But I don't know if Amanda Seyfried is going to win this one. I thought she was excellent in the film, but I, I wasn't altogether that impressed with Mank. Hillbilly Elegy was more of a letdown. A lot of people have included Hillbilly Elegy on their list of worst films of 2020. If I were to compile a list of the worst films of 2020, I actually wouldn't put Hillbilly Elegy on it because it fell short of greatness. And there were certainly moments that were melodramatic, but I think that the melodrama came more from Amy Adams than from any other um, cast member in the movie. I thought Glenn Close turned in the best performance, but here's what I what's ironic. Glenn Close was nominated for Best Supporting Actress for, at the Golden Globes. I don't know whether or not she won. I have to look that up, but I don't have that information with me right now. She's been nominated for an Oscar, as I just said, but she was also nominated for Worst Supporting Actress at the Razzies. There have been a couple of times where there have been either people or pieces of work that have been nominated for Oscars as well as Razzies in the same category, but I think, I think this is the very first time that an actor has been nominated for an Oscar and a Razzie at the same time. And I don't think that Glenn Close should have been nominated for a Razzie. She definitely deserves her Oscar nod for this film. On to Best Supporting Actor. The nominees are Sasha Baron Cohen for Trial of the Chicago 7, Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah, 
Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami, Paul Rossi for Sound of Metal, and Lakeith Stanfield for Judas and the Black Messiah. This category, I think, irritates me more this year than it has any other year because Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya, Kaluuya excuse me, were nominated both for Best Supporting Actor. But I could have sworn that Lakeith Stanfield was the, the lead actor in Judas and the Black Messiah. Now, don't get me wrong. Judas and the Black Messiah was a great film, but I really don't understand why the Academy decided to make Lakeith Stanfield a supporting actor as opposed to a lead actor and why he and Daniel Kaluuya were co-supporting actors. That doesn't really make any sense. Lakeith Stanfield was mentioned first in the credits of Judas and the Black Messiah. His name comes first on the movie poster, as well as other pieces of media. And the movie focuses on him the most because he plays an undercover agent for... Well, he doesn't play an undercover agent. He plays someone who is a pawn for the FBI. And he's given the most focus. Daniel Kaluuya, definitely best supporting, or rather a supporting actor. And I would argue best supporting actor, but Lakeith Stanfield probably should have been given uh, either best actor in a leading role or nothing at all. But that's where the Oscar really made a blunder this year. Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen did a great job playing Abby Hoffman in trial of Chicago seven. And actually, I would not call him a lead actor in that film. And it is kind of hard to say who's a lead actor versus who is a supporting actor in certain movies. One such example is The Shawshank Redemption. Who would you say would be the lead actor in in that film? Morgan Freeman or Tim Robbins? Morgan Freeman is the character that narrates the film. And you also get a good sense of who he is. But Tim Robbins is the guy who comes first. He's the guy who's the center of the story. You really don't know. But that year, 1995, when they nominated Morgan Freeman for Best Actor, they decided he was the best actor, or rather he was the lead actor, and Tim Robbins wasn't. So I I guess you really never can tell. But if I were to venture a guess as to why they... um, chose best somebody as an actor as opposed to a supporting actor. I suppose it's when they submit their for your consideration and they actually fill in this person should be nominated for this award. But I don't know why the makers of Judas and the black Messiah or the people who produce it or distribute it would consider Lakeith Stanfield a, a supporting actor, but I am disappointed not to see Actually, Chadwick Boseman be nominated for Best Supporting Actor for The Five Bloods. If either Chadwick Boseman or uh, Isaiah Whitlock Jr. was nominated for The Five Bloods, I'd be satisfied. If both of them were nominated, I would be very happy. But I guess it goes to show that the Oscars just can't please anyone, uh, can't please everyone, including certain film critics who think that certain films should be nominated over others. So on to best documentary feature. This is kind of interesting because 
Of the five films that are nominated, I've only seen one. But the good news is that all five of these documentary features are actually available on streaming. I've seen two out of five of them. The nominees are, for Best Documentary Feature, Collective, Crip Camp, The Mole Agent, My Octopus Teacher, and Time. Collective and Time are both streaming on Amazon. Crip Camp and My Octopus Teacher are both streaming on Netflix. And The Mole Agent is streaming on Hulu. So I can't exactly say what documentaries I what documentary I think should be nominated or or rather be nominated in its place. I do think that the Michelle Obama documentary Becoming was really good, but at the same time, Barack and Michelle Obama both produced Crip Camp, so it's not as if Michelle Obama was was snubbed. Um but I really have to see those other three documentaries to really make my decision here. But I'm just going to read through some of the other nominees for the short films. Um, for, the, for the best documentary short, the nominees are Colette, A Concerto is a Conversation, Do Not Split, Hunger Ward, and A Love Song for Latasha. I have not seen any of those documentary shorts yet, but when I do, I will review them on the show, and eventually they're going to be distributed via streaming. Uh, For Best Animated Short, the nominees are Burrow, Genius Loci, If Anything Happens, I Love You, Opera, and Yes People. The only one of these, actually two out of the five shorts, animated shorts, can be available via streaming. Burrow is currently streaming on Disney Plus, and If Anything Happens, I Love You is streaming on Netflix. If Anything Happens, I Love You seems to be my favorite uh, short. I I should say my favorite. I, I shouldn't say my favorite because I haven't seen the other four nominees, but If Anything Happens, I Love You is a very, very powerful animated short that is not for kids. For Best Short Film Live Action, the nominees are Feeling Through, The Letter Room, The Present, Two Distant Strangers, and White Eye. I can't make any um, guess as to what's going to win because I haven't seen any of these short films, but when I do, I'll review them for you right here on this show. back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke. Continuing with the Oscar nominations for 2021, I'm going to get into my next category, which is Best Original Song. The nominees for Best Original Song are actually quite satisfying. There are several original songs that I've heard in other movies uh, that haven't been nominated here, but these uh, choices are actually very good. 
So for best original song, the nominees are Fight For You, which is sung by her and also written by her Dernst Emily II and Tiara Thomas. That's from Judas and the Black Messiah. Hear My Voice, written by Daniel Pemberton and Celeste Waite from The Trial of Chicago 7. Husavik, which was written by Savan Kotecha, Fat Max Gusus, and Ricard Goranson for Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga. Losi, Scene, written by Diane Warren and Laura Passini for The Life Ahead. And Speak Now, sung by Leslie Odom Jr., written by Leslie Odom Jr. and Sam Ashworth for One Night in Miami. I can't say I'm too disappointed by these nominations because Husevic from the Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams movie Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga, which, by the way, is available for streaming on Netflix and probably always will be, was a really excellent song. I am surprised, but not necessarily disappointed, to see that none of the songs in Soul were nominated for Best Original Song. That is the uh, the Disney Pixar film that is um, that features music by John Batiste from The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, as well as Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. But moving on to Best Original Score, the nominees are The Five Bloods, which with music by Terrence Blanchard. Mank, with music by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Minari, with music by Emily Mosseri. News of the World, with music by James Newton Howard. And Soul, with music by Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross, and John Batiste. My guess for this category is that Soul is going to win for Best Original Score. I say that for two reasons. One, because it's a Disney film. And Disney films are usually the front runner for best original score, if not best original song, for which, by the way, no Disney film was nominated this year, surprisingly enough. Secondly, because John Batiste, Trent Reznor, and Atticus Ross won the Golden Globe for best original score. And I would say third, because Soul was an excellent film, and the music there certainly served as his own character. Speaking of soul, I might as well run down for you the best animated feature film category. The nominees this year are Onward, which is the Disney Pixar film, Over the Moon, a Shaun the Sheep movie, Farmageddon, Soul, and Wolfwalkers. So we have two films that are Disney Pixar films, They're both available for streaming on Disney+. Plus. I have seen Over the Moon, and that seems to be a bit of an underdog, but I was actually very impressed by the animation on that movie. Uh, The other Shaun the Sheep movie that came out a few years ago was nominated for Best Animated Feature Film. This sequel, uh, Farmageddon, I have not seen, but I definitely will see it since it's a nominee. And Wolfwalkers is available to stream on Apple TV+. And I think this might be the very first Apple TV Plus film that has been nominated for an Oscar of any kind. And I think if it hadn't been for the pandemic, if it hadn't been for 
movies streaming being a necessity rather than an option, I don't know if a movie from Apple TV would have de- would have had that chance to be nominated, but it is great to see that Wolf Walkers did get nominated and Wolf Walkers is a foreign film and I'm going to tell you all about it very shortly. It's actually fr- it's a it's an Irish film and it is directed by Tom Moore and Ross Stewart and this um, this film is actually the third in an installment of Irish folklore trilogy. And the first entry into this Irish folklore trilogy was the critically acclaimed film, the secret of Kells, which was nominated for an Oscar for best animated feature film in 2009. The other one was song of the sea, which I have to say I haven't seen, But this one was also nominated for Best Animated Feature at the 2015 Academy Awards. So it's great to see this Irish folklore trilogy directed by Tom Moore all get nominations for Oscars. It's just unlikely going to win. I think Soul is the film that's going to win this category. And it's really that movie's award to lose at this point. Because Soul was so good. Welcome back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke. I think I've discussed enough about the Oscar nominations, and the week before the Academy Awards, I will return to the Oscar nominations and decide what films I think should win. But I really don't have that kind of wherewithal because I haven't seen all of the films that are nominated. But that is going to be my mission for the rest of this month. I'll still see some new films that come out, but I'm also going to make some time to review some of the films that I did not get to see during 2020. So now it's time for me to go through the nominees for the Razzie Awards. And I did touch upon this last week, but for this show, I'm going to go more into depth of them because last week I only had about 10 minutes to review them for you. But I'm going to start from the top, giving you the worst picture nominees. I also should say that 2020 in and of itself is probably going to get a Razzie award for being the worst year in memory for some of us who didn't experience the year 1968, just saying. But anyway, for worst film of the year, the nominees are 365 Days, Absolute Proof, Doolittle, Fantasy Island, 
and music. Now, I cannot attest to which of these films is the worst because I have only seen one of them. I've only seen 365 Days, which was this erotic melodrama, which was just terrible in just about every sense of the word. The plot was terrible. The acting was really bad. And for a film that is an erotic romantic drama, it wasn't sexy at all. It was basically a a softcore porn film. And it also has the distinction of being, interestingly enough, the very first foreign film to be nominated for a Razzie, if you can believe it. And ironically, it was one of the most watched items in numerous territories on multiple continents and had one of the longest periods as the most watched item in Netflix's history in the United States. Believe it or not. (laughs) But I think just because a movie's been one of the most watched doesn't make it good. Am I saying that this film is going to quote-unquote win for the Golden Raspberry for Worst Picture? I'm not saying that. I haven't seen the other uh, four movies. I hear Doolittle, which starred Robert Downey Jr., was terrible, but I can't vouch for it because I didn't get a chance to see that. Fantasy Island, I know, came from Bloomhouse, which has been a a great way for low-budget films to make a lot of money. And Bloomhouse has certainly made a name for itself in that way that I can totally respect. But they did take a beloved show from the 70s, which had an interesting reboot in the 90s, and they made it a horror film. Why they did that, I don't exactly know. Absolute Proof was made by the My Pillow guy, Mike Lindell. So my understanding about Absolute Proof is that it is a movie that is pro-Trump because I know that Mike Lindell is an unabashed Republican. Well, it's not only about, it's not only pro-Trump, but it also basically makes an attempt to convince people that there were other attempts to overturn the election results against Trump's favor, not realizing that A, Trump received 11 million more votes in 2020 than he did in 2016, and B, a lot of people were pissed off with the way Donald Trump handled his time in office. But there are still people, especially QAnon believers, who just flat out believe that Donald Trump won the election, and you know who some of them are. I think Absolute Proof is one of the movies that was blamed for the absolutely un-American and inexcusable insurrection that took place at the Capitol on January 6th, 2021. Really just, oh God, so many morons storming the Capitol, but that's another story for another time. Those are the nominees for Worst Picture, and I'm moving on with Worst Actor. And and let me just say before I get to the Worst Acting categories that w- I said that I would make an effort to see the best films of the year, the ones that were nominated for Oscars that I didn't get to see. Believe it or not, I'm also going to make an effort to see the worst films because I can't slam these films until I've seen them. So moving on to Best Actor. Or excuse me, worst actor for the Razzies. The nominees are Robert Downey Jr. for Doolittle, 
Mike Lindell, a.k.a. the my, my Pillow guy for absolute proof. Michelle Morone, I should say Michelle Morone because it's a man, 365 days. Adam Sandler for Hubie Halloween. And David Spade for The Wrong Missy. So of these films, I've seen three out of five. I've seen 365 Days, Hubie Halloween, and The Wrong Missy, all of which, interestingly enough, were Netflix films. And Hubie Halloween and The Wrong Missy were Happy Madison production films. I thought The Wrong Missy was unnecessarily sexist. And and I, I mean, I would say it's crude too, but I like crude humor if it's funny. But David Spade... I think probably deserves the nomination here because the wrong Missy was nothing more than a knockoff of forgetting Sarah Marshall. And it also looked like the filmmakers, maybe even including Adam Sandler who produced the film, just wanted to take a vacation and use making a film as an excuse to do that. But Hubie Halloween, I wanted to like because it was filmed on location in Salem, Massachusetts. But Adam Sandler just put on this really stupid voice that was funny when he did it in the 90s, but when he's a guy in his 50s, it's not so funny anymore. And the movie seemed to think that having Adam Sandler play a mentally challenged guy is funny. And I I just didn't think so. And I also was mystified by how... Adam Sandler's character was the most hated person in his town. Was he the village idiot? Maybe, but even that's kind of mean. But Michelle Morone definitely should have been nominated for 365 Days because that movie was just trash. Mike Lindell, I have not seen Absolute Proof. I'm going to see that movie just to maybe rip on it on a later show. I'm already going into it knowing it's bad, so maybe it it goes without saying. But I really want to see what Mike Lindell, just how he makes his point, and if he makes his point. Because I guarantee you, he's going to be wrong. But I still want to see how he makes the point. As for Robert Downey Jr. and Doolittle, maybe I'll give that movie a chance. But moving on to the next category, Worst Actress. The nominees are... Anne Hathaway for The Last Thing He Wanted and The Witches, Katie Holmes for Brahms, The Boy 2, and The Secret, Dare to Dream. I think The Secret, Dare to Dream is one of those faith-based films. Kate Hudson for Music, Lauren Lapkus for The Wrong Missy, and Anna Marie Sikluka for 365 Days. I have to say, I normally like Lauren Lapkus. I think she's a very versatile and funny actress. But the things that they had her do in The Wrong Missy were shameful. They had her be just the most annoying person on the face of the planet. And maybe that was the point of the film. But again, it just reeked of sexism. With that said, even though Lauren Lapkus gave it her all, and I respect her for that, I was annoyed by her in that film, but I also have to say that it was the filmmaker's fault that she was so unbelievably annoying. It wasn't Lauren Lapkus's fault. And I don't think she was, she should have been nominated for worst actress for that reason. I can't say the same for Anne Hathaway or Katie Holmes because I haven't seen those films, but man, Katie Holmes, 
used to be an A-lister. She used to be in really good uh, movies and TV shows. But over the last 15 years, she suffered uh, so much. But I, I do think she has a comeback in her. But I just don't know if it's going to be anytime soon. Same with Kate Hudson, who's nominated here for Music, which is the film by Sia, which has gotten some really, really bad word of mouth. But moving on, um, for Worst Supporting Actress, the nominees are Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy, Lucy Hale for Fantasy Island, Maggie Q for Fantasy Island, Kristen Wiig for Wonder Woman 1984, and Maddie Ziegler for Music. As I said previously, I can't vouch for Fantasy Island, Wonder Woman 1984, or Music because I haven't seen those films. But Glenn Close should not have been nominated for Hillbilly Elegy. I actually thought Amy Adams should have been nominated for Worst Supporting Actress because she really overdid it in uh, Hillbilly Elegy. I think that was her first high-profile bad role. But with that said... I can't say any more because I haven't seen the other movies. But as I said, I will make a point to see them. So on to Worst Supporting Actor. The nominees are Chevy Chase for The Very Excellent Mr. Dundee, Rudy Giuliani for Borat's Subsequent Movie Film, Shia LaBeouf for The Tax Collector, Arnold Schwarzenegger for Iron Mask, and Bruce Willis for Breach, Hard Kill, and Survive the Night. The fact that I have not heard of these um, movies um, that Bruce Willis was in definitely says a lot about how bad they might be, particularly since uh, Bruce Willis has kind of gone the Nicolas Cage route over the last couple of years. I mean, he's still a household name, but I think his career is in a bit of a rut right now. As for Arnold Schwarzenegger... I haven't heard of Iron Mask. I'd like to see it, but I I do think that Arnold Schwarzenegger has taken some risks as an actor since leaving the governor's office in California. I haven't seen Iron Mask. I haven't even heard of it, so I don't know uh, about that one. Shia LaBeouf being nominated for The Tax Collector. Again, I haven't seen Tax Collector, so I don't know. But I do have to say that Shia LaBeouf did turn in an excellent performance in Pieces of a Woman. But he had a lot of competition ahead of him, and uh, especially with uh, co-starring with Vanessa Kirby. But I, I do think that Shia LaBeouf's career is on uh, an upward ramp, and he's going to eventually make the comeback he deserves. Actually, I haven't come to think of it. I haven't seen any of these films. I've never heard of the very excellent Mr. Dundee, although Chevy Chase hasn't made a good film in probably over 20 years, if that. Uh, Rudy Giuliani's performance I haven't seen because I haven't seen Borat's subsequent movie film, but I have heard about their performance in the news. And my guess is Rudy Giuliani is going to win this award on notoriety alone.
Welcome back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke, continuing my rundown of the Razzie nominations, i.e. the Golden Raspberry Awards. And this next Golden Raspberry Awards, which will be on Saturday, February 24th, it's, it's traditionally the night before the Oscar ceremonies, will be the 41st. And the award ceremony has definitely come a long way from taking place in literally somebody's living room to eventually <laughs> um, selling out in not not exactly excuse me uh, not exactly an arena but still selling out a hall somewhere in uh, Los Angeles. But my favorite categories are some of the other ones that probably wouldn't pass muster in. a a more serious uh, award show like the Oscars. Like for instance, would the Oscars ever have a best on-screen combo? Probably not. But worst on-screen combo is probably one of my favorite categories because they always get really creative here for these combos. So the nominees for worst screen combo are Maria Bakalova and Rudy Giuliani for Borat's subsequent movie film. Robert Downey Jr. and his utterly unconvincing, quote-unquote, Welsh accent, Doolittle. Harrison Ford and that totally fake-looking CGI, quote-unquote, dog, Call of the Wild. Lauren Lapkus and David Spade for The Wrong Missy. And finally, this is one I totally agree with, Adam Sandler and his grating simpleton voice, Hubie Halloween. Yeah, I, I totally get that. What's going to win? I'm probably going to say that Maria Bakalova and Rudy Giuliani are going to win, particularly because Rudy Giuliani was literally caught with his hands in his pants. And it is so ironic to me that Maria Bakalova has been nominated for an Oscar and Rudy Giuliani has been nominated for a Razzie, and they both have been nominated for a Razzie for worst screen combo. But the fact that it made a total fool out of Rudy Giuliani, even a, an even bigger fool than when he testified before Congress and farted in front of the congressman, it just really says something. So I think this is Maria Bakalova and Rudy Giuliani's awards to lose. But I would be so happy if Maria Bakalova stopped by the ceremony and picked up her Razzie. A lot of times, celebrities, with the exception of Halle Berry, Sandra Bullock, Tom Green, and a few others have not stopped by the ceremony to pick up their awards. But the ones who have, who have, have actually been very good sports about it. And I give them credit for that. Even people I don't like, like Tom Green. So on to worst director, the nominees for worst director are Charles band for all three Barbie and Kendra movies. Those must've been direct to streaming. Barbara Bialoas and Tomas Mandes for 365 Days, Stephen Gagan for Doolittle, Ron Howard for Hillbilly Elegy, and Sia for Music. With Hillbilly Elegy, I guess a lot of people agree that that was one of the worst films of last year. I disagree. I thought it was lacking, but I didn't think it was one of the worst films of the year, but I don't think Ron Howard's going to win that award for worst director. I do, however, think that Barbara Bialoas and Tomas Mandes are probably favored to win for 365 days. But then again, 
I don't exactly know because I haven't seen the three Barbie and Kendra movies or Hillbilly Elegy, excuse me, or Doolittle or Music. I am a little afraid to see the Barbie and Kendra movies because I've, I've seen clips of them as I was flipping through channels and the CGI for those Barbie movies is horrendous. The way Barbie moves and uh, uh, the way the, the voice syncs with the character, it's just really creepy to me. But they keep making those movies because girls see them and girls, I guess, like them. So there you go, I guess. And then we've got uh, worst screenplay and worst remake, ripoff, or sequel. Let's go with worst screenplay first. 365 Days, all three Barbie and Kendra movies, Doolittle, Fantasy Island, and Hillbilly Elegy. Again, I, I can't say any more about that. You know what movies I've seen and haven't seen. And then we go with worst remake, ripoff, or sequel. The nominees are... 365 Days, I didn't know that was a remake, Doolittle, Fantasy Island, Hubie Halloween, and Wonder Woman 1984. So, I know that Doolittle and Fantasy Island are remakes. I know that Wonder Woman is uh, Wonder Woman 1984 is a sequel, and it disappointed a lot of people. I can't say whether one of those people were me because I didn't get a chance to see it. I don't know what 365 Days is a remake or a sequel of, I, I don't know. It, it, I'm looking it up right now. Okay. It's, oh, it's, um, it's based on a novel. So maybe that is one of the, uh, reasons it was considered a remake, but a lot of books are based on, excuse me, a lot of movies are based on books and I wouldn't necessarily consider those, remakes per se, but I guess you had to fit 365 days into another, uh, category. So there you go. Hubie Halloween. I don't know if that's a remake. I think that might've been misnominated, but let me look it up. Hubie Halloween is as far as I know, I, I can't, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know why this was considered a, a remake or a sequel. It's not. I mean, maybe there were some characters that appeared in other Adam Sandler or Happy Madison movies, but I can't see any evidence of this being a, a remake or a, a sequel. I, I just don't see it. But I don't know if there are any other awards for the Golden Raspberry or rather what uh, nominations are going to be Hell, let me try another site and see. Oh, actually, there is a special governor's award, and there are no nominees for this other than the, um, uh, let's see. Well, okay, okay. There are no other nominees. It's just an honorary award. So the special governor's award is going to be for the worst calendar year ever, which is 2020. I'm not against uh, 2020 being considered for this prestigious, and by prestigious, I mean terrible um, uh, award right here because honestly, yeah, 2020 was so bad. I think it deserves this kind of award for just 
most cataclysmic year ever. So I only have a little bit of time left, but I might as well tell you that 365 Days and Doolittle are tied for most Razzie nominations with six. Fantasy Island comes in second with five. Music, the movie by Sia, has four nominations. Hillbilly Elegy, Hubie Halloween, and The Wrong Missy all have three nominations. And with two nominations, the nominees are Absolute Proof, Barbie and Kendra Save the Tiger King, Barbie and Kendra Storm Area 51, uh, Borat's subsequent movie film, Corona Zombies, and Wonder Woman 1984. Let me just say this. Uh, Corona Zombies is considered a a Barbie and Kendra film, but it actually isn't. It's uh, It's a comedy horror film that's inspired by the COVID-19 pandemic. Good God. But the, the main character in the film, uh, is named Barbie. So I don't think this is related to the, the Barbie dolls made by Mattel, but uh, apparently there are two sequels, Barbie and Kendra save the tiger King and Barbie and Kendra storm area 51. But they were released the same year, but don't have much to do with the plot of the original movie. So maybe these aren't the Barbie films that I was thinking about. Well, that's all the time I have for this episode of Words on Film. I always love talking about movies, and I hope you liked what you heard. If you did, please subscribe and rate the show and leave comments if you can. I would love to get your feedback, even if it's more criticism than praise. This has been Words on Film. I'm Dan Burke, and until my next episode, I'll see you at the movies.